2: Welcome to Press This, the WordPress community podcast featuring exclusive content and interviews with leaders in the WordPress community, covering everything from development to integrating your digital marketing strategy with WordPress. Join host David Vogelpohl of WP Engine and special guests from across the community as they keep you up to speed on the latest advancements in WordPress. Let's get started.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. And I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine. And I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This. As a reminder, you can subscribe on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download the latest episodes at webmasterradio.fm. In this episode of Press This, we're going to be talking about next-generation WordPress plugins, offloading SaaS and APIs in order to have that conversation. Really, really interesting one, I think with the evolution of plugins in the WordPress ecosystem, but we're gonna be interviewing Ronnie Burt of WPNU Dev. Ronnie, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thank you very much for having me.
3: I uh, really appreciate you joining today. Uh, WPNU Dev is such a force in the community and the products that you guys make. Um, you know, and It's you know, interesting, I think, in the ecosystem to see this shift from uh, plugins, which are kind of wholly contained within the WordPress install, executing the functions within the install itself, to this new model of offloading SaaS and APIs, Um, really, really exciting stuff, Um, but I think also a topic that gives some people some anxiety, so uh, (laughs) there will be some uh, really interesting topics to cover here today. I know I'm looking forward to it, and I think, you know, Ronnie, WPMU Dev, again, is such a cornerstone for so many people in the ecosystem for the tools that you guys provide. It'd be really interesting to hear your perspective.
1: Sure. Well, definitely looking forward to it.
3: Awesome. So, I guess, you know, you're, you're what? Let's start with your role at WPMU Dev. What, what exactly do you do there every day?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I'm not quite sure yet. I've um, been there about eight years and still figuring that out. But um, the truth is, I, if I have a title, I suppose, and general manager of our education and enterprise services. So, um, in addition to WPMU Dev, we have Campus Press and Edublogs, Blogs are two additional services in the education space. And then we do sort of enterprise-level multi-site hosting under WPMU Dev as well, under that brand. And then I also kind of float around on our marketing and growth teams and just kind of pitch in where I can on the business side, budgeting, all sorts of fun stuff like that.
3: You know, and you used a word in that description, I think, that's key to this shift in plugin models. And that was the word enterprise, Mm -hmm. uh, all the, the things that go behind that in terms of security and stability and scale. Um, which, which I feel personally, is one of the big drivers of the shift in the plugin model. Um, and then, I guess for those of you, uh, those in the audience unfamiliar with WPMU Dev, what would you mention? Some of your products, but what did what did most people know you by? Like which which functions? I know you guys had a whole suite of products, but which products in particular would people know you by?
1: Uh, probably our most popular is Smush, so the Smush image uh, compression plugin, free plugin on the on the WordPress repo, that. Um, you know, allows you to upload, as you upload images to your site, it automatically will resize, smush them down, and, uh, you know, really improve performance and, and speed and, and things like that of your site. So that's uh, definitely our most used plugin. And that also has a, an API component on um, maybe the non free side of things that we can get into, um, so, you know, is related here. Uh, some of our other more popular plugins, our Defender security plugin, our Hummingbird performance uh, plugin is really one that, that we're working hard on that um, does things like well, a CDN that's built in, it will minify your files and, and just really speed up your site.
3: Yeah, so it's interesting, you know, Smush is certainly a plugin I've used before, um, and, you know, I know a lot of people have. It's a really good example um, to help orient um, folks with who you guys are. So one of the questions I do like to ask all the guests, you know, on a personal level, um, and I remember my, my own personal moment, but what was, your, what was your WordPress origin story? What was that moment you first started to use WordPress? You joined WP and UDev eight years ago, but, like, what was that first time you touched WordPress?
1: Yeah, I was, it's a, a little bit different. Before I got into this WordPress thing, I was a math teacher, middle school and high school. Uh, so I taught here in the Austin area where I live now, and and then a year in uh, Durango, Mexico at an international school. And it was actually while I was in Mexico there, so it must have been about 2007, that I just uh, honestly, starting to take on some side projects, trying to build websites for schools, for teachers, for my own personal classroom use, really. That's where it started. And I started in Joomla and Drupal, like a lot of people, especially back then, and then discovered WordPress and WordPress multi site um, because I was trying to build uh, connected sites basically for a school. And I really, I mean, I had taken some CS classes in college, but I'm not really a developer. I'm an even worse designer, still am, and I know all that. Uh, But I just, you know, it allowed me to build it on my own. Way back then. So that would have been like, I remember when widgets came out in 2007. Widgets didn't exist before then. So that was pretty cool. Um, And just you know, Google search, I came across WPMU Dev that way. And they were pretty, uh, they had been around a couple of years since then. And also the EduBlog service, um, which was pretty similar to kind of what I was maybe thinking about building and doing. Um, and got an email. I joined WPMU Dev as a paying member to help me with uh, kind of the freelance stuff that I was doing. Got an email that they were looking for someone in kind of the marketing sales side of things and eventually um, came on board there.
3: Nice, nice, you know, uh, so many, uh, it's funny when I see people working in education, multi-site, it's such a draw, it's so funny yeah. to uh, mention that as part of that. Um, and I know you guys, uh, WPMU Dev also has a pretty good newsletter, I wonder how uh, yeah. much of your education background might have been a part of that, but um, you guys do a really good job with that. So, of course, the topic today, though, is talking about plugins and their evolution, um, and, you know, again, WPMU Dev has a lot of plugins that you've created, and so you, you, the original versions of them, and I'm guessing still even today, much of those functions reside within the plugin itself, meaning that they're wholly contained within the install. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, like, you guys have the suite of plugins that you've created in this model, but, like, what was the original purpose of WPME Dev? Like, were you just trying to do, like, was the company just trying to do one thing or many things, um, or was it the suite of things was the strategy
1: I think it was the suite of things was a strategy as a membership site from the beginning. And really, it started with our EduBlogs network. So it's a a large multi-site network, uh, a little over 4 million sites. It's still going strong for the K-12 world. And in fact, uh, EduBlogs as an MU, back then it was called MU, now multi-site network, launched before WordPress.com. So it's been around a while. And uh, our, our founder, James, and... Just kind of hobbled together a team. They were building plugins for MU, and there was kind of an audience for it. People were coming to him saying, Hey, I'd really like to do what you're doing with Edublogs, but for something else. And so he decided, Well, maybe this is an even bigger, potentially bigger business idea than than Edublogs itself, and kind of set up uh, WPMU that way for that purpose for WPMU dev and so WordPress multi-site was called WPMU back then as a multi-user um, so that's kind of where the name came from and so from the beginning it was a suite multi-site specific plugins that we then sold back um, mostly at the time what we were building for for our eduplogs network.
3: Okay you know it's interesting I was interviewing uh, Brian Gardner with StudioPress on the last episode and he was commenting on how and I've heard the story quite frequently. Well, I built these tools for myself, and then other people found them helpful, so I decided to make them into a full-fledged product. Yep. So, um, but in the model you have, for most of your plugins, and I'm guessing certainly in the beginning, all of the functions are contained within the code of the plugin, right? They're not generally talking to third-party services or your own servers or your own SaaS. Um, and that was the model early on for the plugins that WPMU created, correct?
1: Correct. Definitely.
3: And so I think, you know, a lot of people did. This is the way you, you did it. I mean, this is the way plugins worked. It was everyone did it this way. And and it, it's interesting to see over time that this model has changed. And it's really creating these interesting shifts. I think some for the good and some for the bad. And so what I want to do is we're going to take a quick break here in a second. But when we get back, I really want to dive in, Ronnie, to understand, you know, what it, WPMU's role is in this transition and how you guys have looked at These um, issues pressing on WordPress and plugins, and how it's affecting the way you think about your products moving forward. So, everybody hang tight when we get back. We're going to dive into that with Ronnie right after the break.
2: Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more. Press this in just a moment.
3: Catholic Charities
2: is committed to providing life's basic needs. We thank you for
1: bringing us all here today, letting these people understand how Catholic Charities runs, and how important these people are. And we ask you to guide
2: them, to protect them, and keep them here forever because
4: this community needs them.
2: Visit www.catholiccharitiesusa.org to learn more.
4: TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality.
2: Let's press forward with more Press This, only on Webmaster WebmasterRadio.fm.
3: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpole, and I'm interviewing Ronnie Burt of WPMU Dev. Right before the break, we were talking about the traditional model building plugins, meaning that all of the functions and code is self-contained within the plugin, executes inside the WP uh, install, and we know that there's been this shift to offloading those functions and sassing certain pieces of those plugins. And, you know, obviously WPMU uh, dev has been part of this process and your products have been part of this. So Ronnie, I'm kind of curious from your perspective, you know, how did you guys see this as a force on your business? I'm like, why change to this model? Why not just keep it all inside the plugin?
1: I think there's many answers to that question. The first, um, and, uh, most importantly, I think, is just out of necessity that there are some things you can't do within the plugin itself on the WordPress site itself. So kind of our first one was actually we've had from the very beginning when I was talking about our beginnings in multi-site, is our very first API service was our anti service, which is a plugin that's still out there. And anti-splog is kind of like a keysmet. For spam dete- uh, detection and prevention, but for a multi-site network, um, it kind of identifies if someone's trying to create a site on your multi-site network just to use for spam purposes. And by using an API and offloading that information and aggregating that information from everyone, we're able to you know, use AI and better predictors and things like that to identify spam. You can't do that if everything just is within WordPress itself on your your site or your install. Um, similarly, our Smush. Um, image compression service or plugin. There's a lot of things we can do within WordPress, but there are some things that are way more efficient uh, and just way more powerful, and just not even possible without offloading that to a service, to you know, through an API service. Take those images, send them over to our end, we compress them, and then send them back. Um, so technically, I don't even think it would be possible if without uh, or without this sort of API SaaS approach. Um so that's that's the one hand. Go yeah. ahead.
3: I was just going to say necessities drive you just can't do certain things or shouldn't do certain things within the context of WordPress and especially things like consolidating data among multiple users or sites um, that you just had to offload of those functions.
1: Right. But there is a little bit more um, I mean there's obviously a business case to be made for this model um which I think is very fair to to kind of talk about in that you know we're a we're a membership site, a membership service. Um, our members pay us monthly to get updates and support and things like that. And I think historically, when someone has purchased a WordPress plugin, everything you've ever been told, and which was always been true, is that you're paying for support, right? And you're paying for future updates, and you're not necessarily paying for that code that you can probably find somewhere else, GPL and all that sort. Um, but today. You know, there's, there's when, you, when you put it into an API service and you're offloading it, you're also paying for that connection. And so your customers have more of a reason to renew those subscriptions to continually pay and not just come back once so every the, year or two when they want an update.
3: So from the product maker's perspective in terms of their business model, it's a healthier business model. There's recurring revenue, um, there's more dedicated customers over a longer period of time who are paying money and investing in the development of that technology, which is great for the product maker. They get to make more money, but why does that help the customer?
1: Well, there's several reasons. Uh, well, first of all, you know, if the product maker has that recurring revenue, they're going to be able to have a better product and to maintain it better and stay on top of it and you know for any anything from security updates and the like i think depending on the type of plugin the type of service that we're talking about you know in today's gdpr world and you know the new privacy law that california just passed last week and all sorts of things like that there are some things that maybe offloading to a service where you have extra protections you have you know a different security in place might make more sense in a service than to keep it in your WordPress database where that you know WordPress database is meant to have public content on the web if that makes sense. Um, so I, I, there are different benefits that you could kind of uh, definite benefits to the consumer. Yeah, it's
3: interesting. you know the you you touched on the traditional model of selling plugins, which was that I would charge a one-time fee you would a lot of people would offer a lifetime support and there would be you know no incentive for the developer to keep it going kind of once they'd capped out on whatever customers they could acquire, meaning that they weren't continuing to get the same volume of purchases and reinvest in the product. And so the shift to the SaaS model for a lot of things, and you see other plugins of course following the same suit. Yeah, it does cost more for the end customer, but the trade-off is that you have an organization committed to the product. They're not going to abandon it like you know many plugins you see out there. Um, they're going to continue to keep it up and improve it and help it get better. And so ultimately, that's good for the customer. And I think that's you know uh, a, uh, something that a lot of people have had to get around is, is this notion of well, I got to pay more now over time. Um, but the benefit is that the company behind it can invest more into those services and deliver something better for you. Now, you also mentioned offloading having technical benefits, and I know, like, for example, one of my favorite plugins for offloading is in service, actually, is Metric for running uh, e-commerce reports from WooCommerce sites, and, you know, we, we see this with WP Engine customers and, you know, certainly have seen this out in the wild is that you know as those databases grow on the WooCommerce sites and then the admin users go into the back end and start running reports, actually running reports and stuff can actually slow the site down too. And so one of the reasons Metric is one of my favorite offloading solutions is, well I can just export the data all into Metric system and then go in there and you know, read my uh, transaction reports and things like that um, without actually taxing my my web server with you know running these reports. So do you guys also see similar benefits with your products and um, the customers that use them?
1: Absolutely. No, I, I think and that's that's also part of just the fact that, you know, Metric, I don't I don't know the back end and what they're doing there, but it's been purposely built for generating reports and displaying data like that. WordPress has been purposely built for publicly displaying content on the web. <laughs> um, so, you know, the benefits there and, and, and not wanting to text your WordPress your, your sites, I think that all makes a lot of sense.
3: And it's, it's such a, a powerful tool. And, you know, I know one of the things people talk about with WP Engine is our disallowed plugins list. Oh, my goodness, what's going on there? And, yeah, you, know, you know, people get concerned about that. But, you know, from our perspective, that list includes plugins, which, overly tax customers and cause troubles for other customers. And a lot of the times those functions can be offloaded. Related posts is a really good example of this. Mm Uh, not that particular plugin, but that that note style of plugin, there's uh, several in that space that can be problematic. Broken link checkers are another example of this, where your WordPress install is checking links all the time, looking for broken links, versus serving content to your customers. And you know a lot of that stuff can be offloaded and doesn't actually need to execute within inside the WordPress install itself, and preserve those resources for delivering fast experiences for the customers. And so that all makes sense, and, like, it makes sense that the developer can have a healthier business and build better products, and the, the customer site owner can have a more performance site, maybe even a more secure site because of offloading. But, like, isn't this not the WordPress way? Like, how, how do you reconcile this notion? Like, it's pretty well-ingrained in parts of the community that the plugin should wholly contain all the functions and shouldn't be sassed at all. And why would you give control to a third-party uh, entity? Like You're supposed to maintain all that control. And then these are kind of the natural responses you see coming from the history that we've come from. But like, what, What's your response to that, Ronnie? Is this not the request way?
1: Well, I, I, I don't mean this at all in a cynical way, but um, Jetpack is, is a perfect example of a plugin that has evolved over time to be more and more SaaS service and API services, right? And uh, what's more WordPress than 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 Jetpack in a lot of ways. Um, So that's like a quick answer.
3: (laughs) But uh, very very on point.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and, and I think you also have to, you know, our plugins that we develop. um, You know, Smush as an example. There's there's lots of others that we have that have API services. Or Hummingbird for performance and minification and marketing. So marketing there's an example. we have a developer API that is within the plugin itself and so we still you have to balance um, not everything is offloaded. You only offload what makes sense to offload and then also still give away to make it extensible and developer friendly and, and all you know the customizable stuff that that the WordPress community wants and deserves and you know is what makes WordPress so great.
3: Yeah, I think that's a very good point of distinction. In other words, don't go offloading crazy, but rather offload those functions that make the most sense, um, and uh, you know do that in a way that you know allows you to deliver perform performant experience and leverage offloading, but not just offload for the sake of offloading. Exactly. Awesome. Well, I want to dig into this a little bit deeper, but we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
2: Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for
4: more Press This in just a moment. WebmasterRadio.fm is the destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. email brasco at wmr.fm and get your message delivered now. Let's press forward with more Press This only on Webmaster
2: Radio.fm. Hello, everyone.
3: Welcome back to the Press This WordPress Community Podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Volapol. Right before the break, we were talking with Ronnie Burt of WPMU Dev about offloading and SaaS and whether this is the WordPress way. And Ronnie, you were sharing some interesting thoughts, I think, around um, the shift in terms of offloading and being choosy about what you offload, but also pointing out that key players in the WordPress ecosystem, including Jetpack and WordPress.com, are also pursuing these models for similar reasons. And that uh, maybe the notion there, Ronnie, is that the WordPress way is kind of changing uh, with this, for the same reasons that individual plugin providers might be changing their strategy. What do you think about that?
1: No, I mean, I totally agree. And I think it's out of necessity you know kind of what we've talked about but just to kind of reinforce um, there are some things you can't do within WordPress so we need to offload those and WordPress businesses need to be sustainable and profitable and we need ways of of making sure that happens as well.
3: So relative to offloading and I thought you had a bit of a curveball on this one do you think there's any key areas that plugins should uh, like key classes of plugins that should focus on offloading like I know there's scalability sometimes with some e-commerce plugins because of the way they use databases and things like that. You see this as a trend in any particular key areas of WordPress plugins?
1: I mean, anything performance related, we seem to see a lot. So, um, you know minification, uh, CDNs of all shapes and sizes, and things like that. Um, One thing that I've kind of seen with some of our enterprise customers that's been coming up a lot more is that there are a lot of form plugins. And so lots of their site owners and end users are just creating forms like crazy. And in our privacy-conscious world, maybe we need to do something that checks those forms and so we're trying to figure out ways, how can we see what content is being accepted from users and making sure that that contents okay to be collected and housed in that WordPress database. So I think there's some room there for someone to come in and kind of help <laughs> with that process. So if that means we're not using a WordPress form plugin, but we're using embedding from another service, or if it means a WordPress form, but we're offloading the, the data entry somewhere else, something like that I think could be very useful. Anything user profile sensitive private data, um, I think we're we're going to see a, a shift there, more and more offloading that.
3: That's a, a really astute observation, and I think independent of GDPR, that's uh, probably good uh, good practice there to to separate those two and uh, eliminate that attack vector in your WordPress install. Mm-hmm. Um, so so then, of course, if if this is now becoming the WordPress way, and seems like it is. How do you balance this with the need to open source your plugin? I mean, is is everything just going to be a uh, enter your API key and click submit? I mean, plugins certainly should still be open source and should still be contributing features that are kind of wholly run within the install itself. Like, how do you reconcile these two things?
1: I mean, I do think it would be the death of WordPress not to be dramatic when people can't. Uh, make it their own, extend it the way they want to build plugins. You know the way they want. So if everything was just an API key and um, you know, poof, that's your site. I think WordPress will be no more. Um, so we are all very conscious of that. And so only offloading, you know, what needs to be offloaded. Um, if if everything is behind an API key, I think we're not going to see those services last. I don't think the community will stand for that. The customer will stand for that by and large. Um, so, you know, finding that balance is going to be tough. Some people are going to go too far in one direction. Some people are going to go not far enough. And, uh, I think it'll be an ever evolving kind of process as we move forward.
3: So how does WPMU itself deal? I You mentioned it. For example, Smush, I think you said was a plugin in WordPress.org. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess at some level there's some sort of SaaS fee perhaps for accessing the service. But like, what do you guys, how do you guys choose? Like what are going to be things you... Open source as part of a plugin versus things that might be behind a SaaS that people might have to pay for.
1: Oh, we're almost to the point of like if it's not SaaS and not behind an API, then we're just going to make it freely available. Um, we have a new uh, form plugin. Um, you know, I mentioned forms and how maybe those are dangerous, but this form plugin is more in the traditional sense and. Uh, you know, it it was one that maybe three or four years ago we would make completely part of our membership, and now it makes more sense to make it more open and free, and and for people to be able to build off and extend upon.
3: I think that's a really interesting approach to that. You know, I've had a few episodes where I've asked that same question, and everyone has different answers. But um, it seems like you guys have a pretty, uh, okay, at least from from what I know, an aggressive stance on making sure you honor those open source roots, which I think is cool. Um, And I think that's really the trick for product makers in the WordPress space is that balance between the benefits of offloading and SaaS in terms of their business and the products they can create and the benefits of the customer with also retaining um, those open source roots. Really really cool stuff to learn uh, here today about what you guys are up to and your focus. Um, Thanks so much for joining us on the show today, Ronnie. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Again, this has been David Volopol, hosting the Press This WordPress Community Podcast on Webmaster Radio. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes or iHeartRadio or download the latest episodes at webmasterradio.fm. Thank you very much.
4: Webmasterradio.fm is the destination for education, entertainment, and engagement.